Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. Alright, thank you for listening in everyone. This week we deepen our journey into the Exodus and into the book of Exodus with Parshat Va'era. Va'era is the second parsha in the book of Exodus, and it begins at Exodus chapter 6 verse 2 and goes through the end of chapter 9. In this chapter we read about the escalation of the confrontation between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh, as Moses and Aaron are sent back to the Pharaoh to demand that the people are let go. This is the parsha where we read the first seven of the ten plagues. The rest of the plagues will happen next week, and that'll ultimately culminate in the people's journey out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. But as we open this week's parsha, the people are still very much in slavery, and they're still, in a sense, getting to know God. In fact, the word va'era means I appeared, because God says to Moses, I appeared previously to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a way of drawing a continuity between what's happening now and what happened previously, both in terms of the Torah, as we connect the book of Exodus back with Genesis, but also for Moses and the Israelites connecting this God back with the ancestral covenant that's been passed through the generations of their family now for 400 years. So when God sends Moses and Aaron to the Pharaoh to demand that the people be set free, it is with that covenant, that long-term relationship between God and the people in mind, or as background. This is from chapter 7, verse 15. God says, Lech el paroba boker, go to Pharaoh in the morning, and say to him, Adonai Eloheha ivrim shalachani elecha, the Eternal, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you to say, Shalach et ami avduni, let my people go that they may worship me. Now, when we quote this passage, we truly usually only quote the first half of it. Let my people go. That may be the most famous phrase in the Torah, and it certainly is the most widely quoted. I mean, throughout history, groups of people seeking freedom have often looked to the story of the Exodus and to this very verse as inspiration. If you think about the Charlton Heston movie, if you think about songs that came out of the American Southland... Embedded into the idea of let my people go is this deeply felt notion that all people are deserving of freedom. But that's actually only half the verse. I'll read it again. Go to Pharaoh in the morning and say to him, The eternal God of the Hebrews has sent me to you to say, Shalach et amivaya of Duni Bamidbar, let my people go that they may worship me. In the wilderness. So when Moses goes to Pharaoh to demand the people's release, he isn't just demanding their release. The Exodus isn't just about getting the heck out of Dodge. I mean, sure, they wanted freedom. Yes, they wanted to escape Egypt. But what they wanted, what they were looking for, was to be able to worship God 
in the proper way. This is from the conservative movement's commentary, the Etz Chaim. It says, Freedom was more than a release from bondage. It provided the opportunity to serve God. It was not only freedom from something, it was freedom for something. So, freedom for what? On the most basic level, we look at the verse, it was freedom for the purpose of being able to worship God. They no longer wanted to be stuck in this Egyptian polytheistic system. They wanted to be able to worship the God that they believed in, the God of our people, the God with whom we have a covenant. But I think there's more to it than that, because the Exodus doesn't only lead to a new cultic system, to a new temple with new ways to worship. It leads to a whole new way of life. Remember that once the Israelites make their way out of Egypt through the Red Sea, the first place they go is Sinai. And when they get to Sinai, they get the Torah. God gives us this new way of life, this new way of organizing a society, a new way of understanding the obligations that we have to one another. So the Exodus is not only freedom from Egypt, it is also freedom to build the kind of society that we as a people wish to build. Embedded into the Exodus is a kind of an ethical imperative to create a society that's different from this one, where there's not the oppression, where there's not the slavery, where there's not the dehumanization of people that we experienced. And one of the ways that we know that is that the Torah continually refers back to the Exodus as the impetus for the requirement to create an ethical society. So this is much further in the Torah in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse 17 and 18. It says, You shall not subvert the rights of the stranger or the orphan. You shall not take a widow's garment in pawn. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that your God Adonai redeemed you from there. And we see this kind of thing all over the Torah. Don't subvert the rights of the stranger because you were a stranger. Treat with kindness the widow and the orphan because you were a stranger. So when Moses says, Shalach et Ami, when he says, let my people go, what he's really saying is, let my people go so that we can fulfill our obligations to God and to humanity. Let my people go to create the type of society that God commands, a society that feeds its poor, a society that cares for its needy, a society that stands up for its powerless, a society that's different from the one that we're now trying to leave behind. I think that Judaism very purposefully puts the idea of strangerhood at the center of this idea. I'm reading here from a book by Hermann Cohen. Hermann Cohen is a late 19th century, early 20th century German-Jewish philosopher. His ideas continue to be very influential in liberal Judaism, and he writes the following. He says, From the notion of the stranger, we learn that monotheism began with human love. It, in German, this is Menschenliebe, which means essentially love of your fellow person. The legislation for the stranger showed us the way to the historical sources of the love of one's neighbor. In the stranger, the fellow man was first discovered, end quote. 
So Cohen's idea here is that the stranger, in a way, is a mirror image of the neighbor. We all know that very important passage from Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. Cohen argues that the stranger is the foil to the neighbor, that the stranger is the potential neighbor. So that when the Torah says, love the stranger, or treat the stranger kindly, or you were a stranger, what it's really saying is that we should learn to see every stranger as a potential neighbor. As he says, in the stranger, the fellow man or the neighbor was first discovered. I think a lot of that begins in this Parsha. When the Israelites seek or demand to leave, they're looking to go away from a society that dehumanized the stranger, that dehumanized the other. They're looking to create something new. I'm not sure they know yet what that something new is at this point. It'll take the next four books of the Torah to develop what that new society should look like. But ultimately, it will be centered around the idea of of loving your neighbor as yourself. It'll be centered around the idea that every stranger is a potential neighbor and that every fellow human is deserving of our love and respect and care. That imperative continues to be just as important Jewishly today as it ever was. And I would argue that any Jewish society, any Jewish organization, any Jewish country is obligated to maintain this idea at, at the core of its ethics. Shalach et amiva ya'avduni, let my people go, that they may serve me. And the way that we serve God, according to this parsha, is by creating that kind of society where every individual is viewed as a potential neighbor and where the stranger is viewed as a full human partner rather than as some kind of other. And I would argue that we have not always done the best job of doing that, both in our organizational life and also, without getting too deeply into politics, increasingly in some of the policies of the Israeli government. Abraham Joshua Heschel once wrote that you are either Pharaoh or you are one of Pharaoh's slaves. We are either the oppressed or we are the oppressor. And it is the obligation of the Jew to fight against oppression in society in all of its forms. That begins right here, because we were strangers. And because Moses said, Shalach et amivaya avduni, let my people go so that they may worship me. I would invite us to think about what we can do to ensure that we're doing our best to fulfill those words. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Just a reminder that my class on Radical Jewish Views of God begins Wednesday evening, January 18th, and it runs for four Wednesdays in a row at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, which is 4.30 p.m. Pacific. And you can sign up by going to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org, and click on Current Offerings, or send me an email, rabbistreifer at gmail.com. 7-Minute Torah is a production of Laasok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, Go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.